The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. You see there, Dear God is the sermon series that we are on, week two now, and I can't recap what, what all we talked about in the first week, that is last week. Um, if you want to hear that, you can, you can check out the podcast and all that, it's up. But really, just to give you a general summary, last week we talked about how prayer really can change our realities. Prayer really does make a difference. Prayer, we can actually expect something to change. Whether that be our external circumstances or our own lives, we can really anticipate that as we pray, the words coming out of our mouths can actually make something happen because God listens. That's what we talked about last week. So if you want to hear more about that, how really our prayers can actually change our realities, you can check that out. Um, but that, talking about that truth, I'm going to bump this, I know it. It's going right there. <laughs> Talking about that truth, though, that prayers do change our realities, it can just make us, like, propel, like, okay, I'm going to pray about everything, and um, I'm just going to just pray all the time, and I want you to. That's my, that's my hope. That's my desire, that we would jump into prayer with a new passion and a new fervor and excitement that we can change our, our, our realities. I want us to have that excitement and that passion, but I also want to... Um, maybe hit pause or pump the brakes a little bit, and before we jump into that, maybe assess, do a little bit of heart check, a little soul searching, um, and consider where we're at in going to God with our prayers. Before we would get down on our knees and pray to God, before we would close our eyes, before the words would come out out of our mouths, I want us to really consider our hearts when we do. And so, uh, the next 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes, would you join me in that? Uh, and just doing a little bit of soul-searching, a little honest self-reflection, uh, just really considering our hearts before God as we go to Him in prayer. Is that cool? Everyone cool with that? That's what we're going to do. Has anyone, anyone ever heard that uh, Aladdin's coming out, a new movie? Yeah, I got a lot of smiles there. Aladdin's coming out. I was just hearing that on the radio a couple days ago. Um, I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, I know that sounds ridiculous because it's Aladdin, but um, I am. Who saw the original? I don't know if it's like 1995 or 98, 97. Um, Aladdin, okay? If you haven't, you need to live and you need to go watch Aladdin. Uh, (laughs) I'm serious though. Of all the Disney movies, Ask Sarah, Mulan, and Aladdin. Those top two for me. I mean, really. I mean, that just blows Finding Nemo out of the water. (laughs) I don't even know if Finding Nemo's Disney. All right, I need to catch you. I need to bring you back. There's a point why I'm saying this. I promise. Oh, Disney Pixar. Yeah, yeah. Aladdin, okay? Think with me, Aladdin. <laughs> to give you a little general idea of, of the movie, it's about this guy that gets a genie out of a lamp, okay? So he rubs his lamp, genie comes out, and uh, he's this huge genie, um, but he, the, the idea of a genie is that he, he gives you three wishes, whatever you want. You can ask for it, you can wish it, and you can have it. Boom. And Aladdin, ha- he has that opportunity, okay? But, but as the movie goes, great movie that it is, um, they start to get this friendship, this really good friendship. Um, Genie's like really quirky and funny, um, likable. Uh, and he's just, he becomes this really good friend to Aladdin, kind of giving him wise counsel and guidance, and, and he's just kind of speaking into his life. 
Well, it gets to the climax of the movie where the tension comes, and we all know something horrible is going to happen because we need this crazy redemption for the end of the movie. And what it is, Aladdin and Genie, if you remember this, you're kind of starting to think back. Um, Aladdin and Genie get into this argument. Genie starts to give him this wise counsel, this, you know, you need to do this um, and don't do that. And he starts saying, you know, I just can't get into, you know, all of it with Jasmine and all that, but I just get really excited about the movie. <laughs> but Genie's giving Aladdin all this advice, you know, do this, don't do that, though. Don't do that. And Aladdin, his response is, okay, whatever, Genie. I don't want to hear what you have to say, but grant me this wish. And Genie's like, you don't know what you're asking for. Don't do that. And Aladdin's like, I want it. Do it. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Okay, and then he does it, and then he regrets it as it goes. I say that because I think sometimes we might just be like Aladdin and treating God like genie. What I mean by that is he says, do this, don't do that, live this way. We can open up the Bible, and he gives all these commands and expectations on our lives, and he says, do these things, and we just kind of turn down that volume and mute him and say, I don't want to hear what what you have to say about that. Grant me this wish. And that can be our prayer life sometimes. I don't want to live this way. I don't want to uh, be so strict and purity that way. I don't want to dedicate this much time to this thing. I don't want to hear what you have to say in your Bible about how I should be living. Heal so-and-so. Fix this. I don't want to hear your commands, your expectations of my life, but still would you do this? That can sometimes be our prayer life. And if we look in the Bible... If we see what the Bible has to say about this, we see that we might be wasting our breath in that prayer. And I might get some eyes to look up like, what did you just say? You're wasting your breath and praying to God? How could you be wasting your breath if you're spending time talking to God? I think we might be wasting our breath asking for this and that if we have no intentions of listening to what God has to say to us first. And that's a hard thing to think about, this concept. I think God's only response to us in that, in that situation, that scenario, if we don't want to hear anything to do, that he has to say about how we should live, but we say, but grant me this wish, his only response will be repent, and then I'll listen to your prayer. Turn and live for me, and then I will hear your prayers. Live for me, and then I will, tr- I will give a gift to my child and treat you like a child. But until you are living like that, until you are striving to be my child, I'm not going to act like you are. Live for me. But until then, repent. That's all I have to say to you. That's what I think God's response is to us whenever we have nothing to do with his commands, but we still say, grant me this wish. He won't listen. And so... Um, well, I said it this way, and if you're taking notes or whatever, you have a pen and paper, you can write this down. Uh, we're going to revisit it at the end, but it says, Your prayers will only go as high as your commitment to holiness is deep. It's kind of a mouthful. Have you ever, have you ever felt like uh, your prayers are just hitting a ceiling? Like you're just not quite getting to God, and He's not just hearing you, and you're like, I just want to scream through the ceiling. I want it to get all the way up to you. I really want it to hit your ears. I want you to hear what I'm saying, but I feel like it's not. You guys ever felt like that? I know I have. I know I've prayed and prayed and prayed, and I just feel like it's not quite getting up to His ears to hear my prayer. Well, if there is a ceiling that's blocking our prayers to getting up to God— 
It's our lack of commitment to holiness. I think, and in just a second I'll, I'll really put scripture behind that and say, I think scripture think, says this, but I really believe that our prayers will only get up to God as high as our commitment to holiness is deep in us. If we are committed to holiness, to living for God, to striving to live for him in all that we can, we have no concerns about him hearing our prayers, but if we have no intentions, if we have no desire to live for him or to live a holy life, if we're not committed to that, we can't expect him to hear us. We can't expect him to hear our prayers. Only whenever we're committed to living for him a holy life, then we can expect him to hear our prayers. That's what I think scripture says. And so where does the Bible say this? Because I don't want to just be saying Isaac's opinions. I really want to be speaking from scripture. And so let's dive into scripture, okay? The first one is uh, out of Proverbs. It's Proverbs 21, verse 13. And it says, The one who shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will himself also call out and not be answered. And so Think through this for a second. If you don't want to hear the cries of the needy, if you don't want to listen to the, the needs of the poor, if you don't want to care for the person that is oppressed, we shouldn't expect that whenever we're in need, whenever we're in pain, whenever we're hurting, to be hurt either. This is scripture. So it, it seems to be telling us that our love for people, our care for humanity, our concern for people's well-being has an impact on if God wants to hear what we have to say to him. If we have no intentions of caring for his people, he has no intentions of hearing us. The one who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will himself also call out and not be answered. 1 Peter 3 says a lot about this, and also uh, verse 4, we won't, or chapter 4, we won't really get into 1 Peter 4, but it speaks on the same thing, so you can look up 1 Peter 4 later. But 1 Peter 3, verse 7, this is speaking to husbands, but let me scan the room. Yeah, I'm the only one that this applies to, uh, specifically. Um, there's no other, oh, there's two, two people uh, in this room. It's, this specifically applies to, but more generally, I think that it can speak to how we should treat, to pe how we should treat people, just like Proverbs uh, does. Let me read it, though. It says, Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as the weaker partner. I'm not going to address that part. Uh, we can talk about that in some other sermon. It's what Scripture says. I'm just reading what Scripture says. <laughs> live with them in an understanding way as the weaker partner, showing them honor. Get this part. Okay, this is essential. That usually gets... Um, Ignored uh, because the shadow of what comes before it, but really pay attention to the second part of this verse, okay? This is essential. Showing them honor as co-heirs of grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Again, it seems to be showing us and telling us that how we treat other people, the way God has called us to treat them, if we don't listen to that, if we don't have any concern to treat people right, and the way that God has told us to treat them, if we have no concern for that, our prayers will be hindered. God will not be hearing our prayers. It has, there, there's some tie with our love for his commandments to treat people right and his desire to hear and respond to our prayers. And so this is a really specific way. This is love people and your prayers will be heard. Don't love people, your prayers won't be heard. Okay, there's this very specific thing, but then it kind of broadens out. 
And it's not just how mistreating people leads to God not hearing your prayers. Now it's kind of a, it's more generally just evil actions uh, at large. This is three verses later, okay? So we, we were at verse 7, now we're at verse 10. And it continues, For the one who wants to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from seeking, speaking deceit. Okay, that's, that's telling lies. Let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Because the eyes of the Lord, this is, this is the reason why we should do those things, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. So again, it seems to show that our evil actions would lead to God not hearing our prayers and vice versa, our righteous actions, our pursuit of peace, our turning away from evil, our not telling lies, all leads to God hearing our prayers. That his ears would be open to what we have to say to him. So not only is it, I'm trying to remember what we, what we learned in Proverbs and what we got uh, earlier in 1 Peter 3. First we see specifically, if we mistreat people the way God tells us to treat them, he's not going to hear our prayers. But now it's even, it's kind of broadened out, and he said, okay, if you do evil actions, though, even then, I won't hear your prayers. If, if you tell lies, if you uh, have, if you don't turn away from evil, if you don't seek peace, his ears won't be open to our prayers. This is something that we should really hear in Scripture and consider. Okay, well, am I really trying to live for him? Am I trying to turn away from evil? Am I trying to not tell lies? Am I trying to live the way that God has called me to live? If I'm trying to do that, I can expect to go before God and approach God and be heard. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. If we go back Old Testament, you can see in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, Starting in verse 14, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night, and he said to him, I have heard your prayers and, uh, and have this chosen place for myself as, temple, uh, as a temple of sacrifice. A little bit later it says, And, get this, If my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their evil ways, then, after all of those things, after doing all of those things, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. So if you read this whole chapter in 2 Chronicles 7, there, there is a people that are praying, or that they're wanting their, their land to be healed. There's this, like, drought. So how do you heal land? There's this drought, this famine, okay? So they are not, uh, they're not able to get their, their crops, their produce, all these different things. And they're wanting it. They're desperately wanting God to send rain But he says, I'm not going to hear your cries for that until you humble yourselves, you pray, seek my face, turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven. So praying and seeking God's face, getting on your knees and just praying to God doesn't seem to be enough. That's not enough for God. He still won't hear our prayers. It has to be that we humble ourselves and we, and we turn from our evil ways. Then he will heal their land. So what are we praying for passionately? What are we seeking God to do? What do we want him to do so badly? 
Just like they wanted their, their land to be healed, they wanted rain to come. What are we asking? God, would you heal this? Would you fix this? Would you, would you be with me in this? Would you endure me through that? We're, we're asking for all these things. And he's saying, first, humble yourselves. Turn from your evil ways, and then, and then I will respond. The problem is I think some of us really, we forget that he has this expectation on us, and then we're like, God, why aren't you listening? God, why aren't you responding? I think we need to see in Scripture that he has this expectation to be committed to holiness, and then he will respond. We have to have a commitment to living for him. We can't, we can't just... See, this is essential. This is so important. Please get this. We can't just pray to God on Sundays and then from Monday all the way around to Saturday live like he isn't real and expect something to happen. We can't do that. It doesn't work that way. God will simply say, turn from your evil ways. Until then, I'm not listening. Our actions lead to God not or actually hearing our prayers. And it kind of broadens out even more. Well, how can it broaden out even more? First, we started with a specific thing, treat people right. And then it leads to, well, don't do evil in general. Just generally doing bad things. Then we look at Psalm chapter 66, or Psalm 66. Starting in verse 17, he says, it says, uh, this is from David. I cried out to him with my mouth, that is God, and praise was on my tongue. If I had been aware of wickedness in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had been aware of wickedness in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. However, God has listened. He has paid attention to the sound of my prayers. So not only did he act on his wickedness, not only uh, did he treat someone wrong, so this is just, he had, if he would have had wickedness in his heart, God would not have listened to my prayers. This is what scripture seems to say. And so the golden question, right, the million dollar question that I think all of us really need to know, and we're like, okay, so uh, if I have to live a holy life, then, uh, or else God's not going to listen to my prayers, well, do I have to be perfect to approach God? I think this is the question, this is, this is so important, this is the question that we all uh, are thinking, hopefully you're thinking, does God expect perfection in order to approach him? And if we even have a hint of evil in our hearts, which we all do, can we not approach God and will he not listen to our prayers? Is that what the Bible's saying? Is the Bible saying that one little thing, one wrong thought, and now God has nothing to do with hearing me and my cries and my burdens and my pain, then what was up with that song we were just singing that bring your burdens, bring your sorrows, bring your shame and join the table and, and, and enjoy his grace, enjoy his mercy. What about that? What, what is this saying? That if we have evil in our hearts, he's not going to hear my prayers? How does that make sense? That's the golden question. Do we have to be perfect to approach God then? And resoundingly, I want to say no. You don't have to be perfect. You do not have to be perfect to approach God. I know there's, there's an array of, of people here uh, in this room. Some of you might have grown up uh, what's, what's called a cradle Christian. You, you, were, you were a Christian since birth, and maybe even E.T. has been your uh, church home since birth. But then there's other people on the other side that this is their, maybe their first day or their first week or their first year at E.T. or just church in general, maybe. 
I don't know, I think there's just an array of people in this room that our exposure to God is just really broad. And so speaking, so speaking to the person that, that is, this is their first year being a Christian. Do we have to have it all figured out before approaching the throne of God that he would hear our prayers and our cries to him? No. I really, I want to I wanna say that because it's so important. Uh, I grew up for years and years just feeling like maybe I'm not saved because uh, I, I'm doing this or I, I've committed this sin or whatever and maybe my sin, maybe God doesn't love me or won't hear my prayers. I struggle with this idea that one little bit of evil or questioning God, now he wants nothing to do with me. And I just want to say, I want to encourage you, I want to lift you up and say that is not true at all. You don't have to be perfect to approach God. 99% of the time, whenever somebody would come to know Christ, it's not in that moment that they would just turn away from all their addictions, all their struggles, all their uh, whatever it is, that they're, all their baggage you can't just do a 180 and then all of a sudden I'm pure and clean, yay. That doesn't happen. But in that moment, whenever you profess the name of Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior, even though you still have that addiction you're dealing with, even though you still have that struggle, even though you still have this, this uh, shame all over you, you can still come to know Christ and you can still come to his throne and you can still call on his name. You don't have to be perfect to approach God in prayer. What did the, my main point that I had uh, earlier, it said, your prayers will only go as high as your commitment to holiness is deep. You don't have to be perfectly holy to approach God, but you do have to be committed to living for him. I really do believe that. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have the addiction down pat and, and figured out before you go to God in prayer and asking, God, would you help me? God, would you work with me? God, would you just... Fill me with your spirit. God, would you walk through this with me? You don't have to be perfect in order to ask him and pray to him. But you do have to be committed to living for him, to striving to be holy, to say, you know what, I am going to work my absolute hardest to living for you, to getting rid of this baggage, to getting rid of this addiction, to getting rid of this sin, to getting rid of this shame. I'm going to work at that. That's going to be my endeavor, the thing that I'm working towards every single day. I'm committed to doing that. In that sense, he will know your heart, that you are striving for that, and then he will listen to your prayers. But if you have no intentions of getting rid of that sin in your life, if you have no intentions of working that out of your life, he has no intentions of hearing our prayers. And that just seems to be what the Bible says. You don't have to be perfect to pray to God, but you do have to be committed to living for him. Committed to holiness. Let me look uh, a few, two more passages here. Malachi 3, 7 says, since the days of your father, you have turned from my statutes. You have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of armies. And then Zechariah 1.3 says something similar. So tell the people, this is what the Lord of armies says. Return to me. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. And I will return to you, says the Lord of armies. 
You don't have to have it all figured out when you first turn to him and whenever you start walking to return to God. Whenever you start to make that journey, you don't have to have it all figured out. But if you are walking, if you are striving, if you are working towards going back to God and to living for him, if you are pointed to his direction and you are going and you are working the hardest you can to walk towards him, he will hear you and he will hear your cries and he will be there with you and he is faithful and just to forgive, to overflow mercy and grace and to love you and to walk through it with you. As long as you're walking towards him and striving with all that you have in you to do that. That's what scripture seems to be saying. But the problem is, many of us, I think, lie to ourselves and say, I'm striving. I'm doing the best I can. I really am working to live for God. I am committed to holiness. I think many of us are saying that, but if we're being honest, we're not. We're lying to ourselves and to others. I'm doing the best I can to get rid of this sin in my life. But we might not be. I'll give you a, 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 an example. Uh, and I did get permission from Sarah to do this, okay? So, um, but anyone ever, if, maybe you're this person. Maybe you're like Sarah. She'd like to have company in this. So uh, you can admit it. Maybe a little raise hand. Uh, and she'd probably appreciate that. Saying, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. And you're not really fine. And you're like, hey, are you okay? And you're like, yeah, I'm fine. And they're like, are you really? Like, you don't seem fine. I'm fine. <laughs> like, okay, don't think you're fine. <laughs> like, I'm fine. <laughs> That's Sarah, okay? I'm just saying that is, that is Sarah. And uh, last night was even a prime example of that, okay? So we're, we moved and we, um, so we had to buy a bunch of different stuff, a lot of furniture, made a trip to Ikea in Kansas City, and we just loaded up the trailer and we drove back and we had to buy all these other things. Um, so anyway, it was a tight month on the budget. So Sarah, uh, she, she comes to me, and she goes, hey, I'd like to talk to you for a second. I was like, yeah, what's going on? And she goes, so I have um, this list of stuff that I'd like to buy. What do you think? We just kind of run those things by each other. And I looked at it, and it was clothes, and it was over $100 worth of clothes. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, sweetheart, it's, uh, it's a tight month on the budget. Uh, I mean, your, your birthday's coming in a couple months. You think maybe I could buy some things then? Fine. Fine. Like, well, no, I mean, we can talk about, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> so, I mean, we got into it, and I was like, okay, what about, like, three things? What about three, can you narrow it down to three? Well, four work? Sarah, I mean, your birthday's coming, fine, fine. I'm like, okay, are you okay with this? Yeah, I'm fine. And I'm like, okay, I just, I don't feel like you're fine. Isaac, I'm fine. <laughs> and now, now she came to me today, and she's like, okay, that was a little irrational, a little emotional. I admit it, I get it, it was a little emotional. Um, I wasn't fine, but I said I was fine. <laughs> I got permission for that. <laughs> I think some of us can lie to ourselves and to others and say, I'm committed. I'm committed. But we really have no intentions of being committed to working out that sin of our lives and getting rid of it. We have no genuine commitment to holiness. But we'll say, I'm committed. I'm committed. Tell ourselves that. Tell other people that. And we might even have ourselves fooled in thinking that we really are committed, that we're really striving, that we're really working towards living a holier life, a cleaner life, a purer life, a more pure life. We're saying that, but if we really dig deep into our hearts, we're not. We're maybe stagnant, and we don't care a whole lot if it changes. If you look, this is the last text I'm going to look at, Isaiah 1. And you can actually look uh, later on in Isaiah I think it's Isaiah 59, something like that. 
same type of idea, but Isaiah 1, this is the people of God. Remember that these are the people that were called the people of God. This was God's nation. And they were living like God wasn't real, like God wasn't their actual God. He wasn't. And then we read here in verse 15, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will refuse to look at you. Even if you offer countless prayers, I will not listen. My deep, deep fear is that some of us might act like the people of God, and we would say, I'm committed to holiness, I'm committed to living for you, but like Israel, we're doing the same thing, and we have no concern about changing that, we have no desire to change that, and we are just striving, uh, we're, not, we're not striving at all to live more holy lives, and, but we're telling everyone else, and we're telling ourselves, I'm committed to living for him, I'm committed I think God's response would be just like it was here. He says, I don't care how many times you open up your hands to pray for me, I'm not going to listen to you. My deep, deep fear is that we would be lying to ourselves and lying to others, that we really are committed when we're not to living more for God. And so, um, in wrapping up, if you want your prayers to be heard from God, after talking last week about how our prayers can really change our realities, that prayer really is such a powerful, powerful thing that though we might be in the darkest places when we pray to God and he hears us, we could be in a completely different scenario because God can do amazing and radical things. We saw that to Moses, Moses prayed for a nation. God said, you know what, I'm going to heal this nation. I'm going to love this nation. I'm not going to give up on this nation. And he prayed twice, and that happened. Hezekiah, the power of prayer. Hezekiah went to God, and God said, I'm going to kill you in a few days. You put your stuff in order. You're not going to live through this illness. Hezekiah said, please don't. He prayed. He believed in the power of prayer. And God said, you know what, I will heal you. And not only will I heal you, but I'll give you 15 more years. The power of, of calling out to God and saying, God, would you do this? Prayer really works. I think we should believe that. But sometimes we don't stop and think, you know what, maybe I'm not being able to enjoy that. I'm not being able to indulge in prayer because I've got that ceiling and he's not even listening because I'm praying on Sunday or I'm praying on Wednesday, but on the other nights of the week or the other days, I have no concern to live for him. I have no desire, I have no heart, I have no drive to live for God. And so though prayer can be so powerful, we're missing out on the power that it is because he's not listening. So if you want your prayers to be heard, if you want the power of prayer in your life, if you really want to be a prayer to, that would see things happen, that would see God move in amazing ways, if you want your prayers to make a difference, I would say commit yourself to holiness. Commit yourself to holiness. You don't have to be the most holy person in the room. You really do not have to be the holiest person in the room. But you have to be committed to holiness. You have to be committed to seeing out that you really are walking towards a more holy life in worship to God. You really are wanting to live for him more. And if that is what you're doing, if that's your heart's cry, that you would live a holy life, he will hear your prayers, I promise you. He will hear your prayers. And you will have that communion with God. Be committed to holiness. And be committed to repenting. I think it's a sad thing, but today, I really don't think there's enough repentance going on. I think there's a whole lot of praying, God, would you make this happen? There's not any, God, I'm ashamed of how I lived. Would you forgive me? 
There's, there's not a whole lot of repentance. And so I wouldn't only say commit yourselves to holiness, but commit yourselves to repentance regularly. I have made it a normal practice since uh, really looking at this series. I've made it a normal practice in my life to uh, start praying to God and whatever it is I'm asking for or talking to him about or thanking him for. I also stop and say, God, would there be nothing in my life that is hindering you from hearing this prayer, responding to this prayer? And if there is, Lord, I repent. I really want to live for you. I want to strive to walk closer in communion with you every day. And I would say maybe make that a part of your daily prayer, your regular prayer. Lord, would, if there is any hindrance in my life, would you expose it to me? Would you show it to me? And Lord, I repent of, of my sins. I'm sorry, and I want to live more holy for you going forward. Commit yourselves to holiness so that your prayers would be heard, so that your prayers could make a difference. Commit yourselves to repentance. And then expect a powerful God to hear your prayers and do powerful things. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.